Hey buds, hope everyone's having a great week. As you've probably realized by now, I'm your host Haley Fox and this is Green and Gold, the podcast about all things cannabis. While I often turn to whatever I'm researching or writing at the time to help inform what topics we'll be tackling in this show, this week's episode really seemed like a no-brainer based on the response I got from this one story in particular. It came out last week for Vice and was essentially about sexism in the cannabis industry, but specifically sexism in advertising. While I knew it would stir people up, the responses I've gotten, largely in the form of angry tweets, have been passionate to say the least. Anyways, more details coming up, but this week we're talking about weed advertising. Okay, so my article is linked to in the show notes, but here's the gist if you don't want to read through it all. Cannabis, like many industries, has long been dominated by white heterosexual men. Because of many factors, including the fact that the industry was illegal and that led to kind of a Wild West environment in which anything goes, sexual harassment, assault, and just overall sexism has reigned for a long time. This seemed to fly for a while, especially as the consumer base was also largely recognized as young and male. But as weed is legalized in California and beyond, and the drug becomes less stigmatized and more widely accepted for medical benefits, the consumer base is changing really quickly. It's increasingly older, female, and diverse, and many brands are embracing this. Not only because it's financially the smart thing to do, but it's also the right thing to do. So it caught a lot of people's attention when a cannabis brand called Ignite Cannabis Company started putting up billboards and building size advertisements that featured women in their underwear or strappy lingerie, often feeding goats with the tagline, nice grass. Or there's also one campaign that's just basically a close-up on two women's booties wearing Ignite-branded bikini bottoms with the tagline, Best Buds. What came as less of a surprise than the advertising itself was that the man behind the brand is Dan Bilzerian. If you're not familiar with him, he basically became famous through Instagram for touting this lavish lifestyle and posing with guns and mostly naked girls. He's had profiles written on him speculating how he's made his money, and he's amassed a ton of followers, mostly bros. He hosted the kickoff party for Ignite Cannabis Company at his Bel Air mansion, where there was reportedly all sorts of insanity, like security guards walking around with AR-15s, and guests like Tyga and Chris Brown. So when my story for Vice came out, I expected it to get some traction. But I wasn't expecting quite how many Bilzerian bros would stand up for him or this kind of advertising. Or on the flip side, how many people in the cannabis industry were so disgusted by Bilzerian's regressive images and said they dragged the industry as a whole backwards. For instance, Steve D'Angelo, who's the executive director of Oakland's Harborside Health Center, one of the most respected and longest standing weed spots in the state, tweeted, I try very hard not to speak ill of anybody in the industry, and I believe there should be many flavors of brands to match the diversity of cannabis consumers. But this stuff is pathetic, drags us backwards, reinforces stigma, disrespects our sisters. On the flip side, I also received plenty of these tweets, though, from miscellaneous dudes. 
things like, quote, if only you hustled as hard as you hated, to which I say, I'm still working at 39 weeks pregnant with a full-grown baby inside me. So I say that's plenty of hustle. But I digress. These issues are complicated and obviously stirred up a lot of passion because they're important. So to get into them a little bit deeper and talk about the dynamics and difficulties of weed advertising, we're going to call up Olivia Mannix. She's the co-founder and CEO of Cannabrand, a Denver-based advertising and marketing firm. And she has a lot to say about the direction of cannabis advertising. We first talked when I interviewed her for Vice. We started in 2013, right before adult use went legal in Denver, Colorado. And we saw the need for branding and marketing in the space. Um, there had never been any agencies dedicated to cannabis. So we specialize in everything from branding to digital advertising to PR to website design, SEO, um, as well as consulting services specific for cannabis. And why is it important or helpful to specialize in cannabis as opposed to, you know, take on a more general client approach? Well, my passion is really the cannabis industry and informing and educating people about cannabis use um, and debunking negative myths and stereotypes surrounding cannabis. So, as a passion, I decided to wholeheartedly get into the industry and focus mainly on cannabis. It's a very technical and interesting subject. So having that be the niche of the agency is really important. I mean, we've worked and do work with other types of companies with our holding company, but Cannabrand specifically cannabis only. And so before we get into some of the, you know, uh, kind of dynamics and demographics of cannabis advertising, obviously we first spoke about Dan Bolzerian's company, Ignite Cannabis Company, um, and their advertisements. And I'm curious what, first off, what your reaction was initially when you became aware of these advertisements, and if you can kind of have make sense of what you think he was going for with these. Yeah, so I definitely think... He's just trying to go through the whole sex sells marketplace, and it's just not a really good look for the cannabis industry and his brand. A lot of people are not happy with it, and it, I think, compromises the, the quality of his product if he has to use CD measures to, to promote. Does this have to do, do you think, um, more with him and his company, or is it is this market, I guess, is this demographic still out there in the cannabis industry who would, you know, respond <laughs> to these types of advertisements? Sure. I mean, I think that there's, you know, all different types of consumers out there, and there may be people who would respond to that. But in general, if you own a company in the cannabis industry and you're not putting it in the most positive light possible and educating and informing people, then you're against the cannabis industry. You talked, you know, about consumers and kind of the diverse range that there is. Will you tell us a little bit about um, how these demographics have changed over the last few years, especially as states legalize, um, and kind of how this has influenced how you and Cannabrand approach marketing? Sure. Well, cannabis is much more than just smoking weed and getting high. Cannabis comes in many, many different forms anything from topicals to bath bombs to sublinguals to vapes. So basically there are a lot of different types of markets that would need to use this product anywhere from a child that has epilepsy 
needing it to help them with seizure reduction, where there's tons of facts surrounding that, as well as, you know, an elderly person or a senior who has joint and muscle pain and needs to put a topical on their pain source. So it's really evolved from, again, the counterculture and what it is today. And so when brands approach you, because I know you mentioned before in our interview, you know, that someone had approached you with a Hooters-like approach to a uh, to um, an advertising campaign. What is that dialogue like when you work with clients in terms of trying to get them to see who this new demographic is and then coming up with advertising that will, like you said, not only reflect positively and destigmatize cannabis, but promote these products? Sure. So everyone that we work with has pretty much the same alignment of what they're trying to get out of their business and in terms of helping the cannabis industry. So and 100% all the time, we work with companies that are wanting to educate and inform people and not use negative connotations with cannabis use. Actually, in the state of Colorado, and I believe in California, you're not allowed to use any marketing that is appealing to children or cartoons. And it's just too bad that it's not also the category of sexualizing cannabis as well. Mm -hmm. We had spoke briefly about kind of what you see as successful forms of advertising, kind of the opposite of um, what Ignite Cannabis Company is doing. But can you give us a few examples of either companies you think are advertising in a responsible way and kind of why that is? You know, is it their is it their campaigns? Is it the image they're showing? Like what makes a good ad, I guess, for cannabis? So I think um, and I'll just speak in general because I don't want to um, you know pinpoint any one company, but really having explanations or links to what your product is for and what it does and why you should need it or want it. So either linking to or having clinical studies behind your product and then having something that's actually doing good for the community. So whether your brand is tied into some philanthropic thing, there's really a lot more that can be done within the arena of marketing that is really bringing cannabis to the mainstream and again, keeping us from being seen as this counterculture industry when cannabis is such an important medicine. Um, it's saved many people's lives um, and it will continue to save lives. So we need to really just continue educating people on the different types of cannabis and how it can help you and supplement your life. There's obviously a ton of legal restrictions on how cannabis companies can advertise. Um, And part of the reason Ignite's ads have gotten so much attention is because they're taken the form of huge billboards and like the sides of buildings um, all over California. So um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about kind of what unique challenges you're up against dealing with cannabis companies, Um, you know, what some of those restrictions are, and if this does lead brands to kind of have to think more about these I don't want to say old school, but, you know, outdoor advertising campaigns as opposed to social media or other kind of um, broadcast ads that traditional companies often use. Yeah. So I'm actually pretty surprised that those ads even got approved. Uh, I'd be curious to see the type of lobbying that's behind that. Mm -hmm. But in terms of in terms of laws, you really can only be advertising to 71.6 percent of the audience has to be proven to be over the age of 21. So that's where the billboard thing I'm kind of a little stumped by. Um, oh, so I'm assuming there's okay. a backdoor situation going on there. And with 
social media advertising, that's definitely tricky. And with just, again, making health claims is not necessarily allowed. So again, you have to be really strategic and creative when communicating your, your brand and what you're doing. So that's why we recommend Canada Brand to really work with other groups that are doing the research, that are doing the, the studies and the trials so that you can have proof and evidence backing your your claims and not actually having a license holder making a medical claim. But I'm really hoping that those types of things will change in the near future because it's imperative for cannabis companies to be able to educate their patients on what their products can do for them. And is that, because I was confused on this part, in terms of the FCC and their oversight of television um, and radio, or is that something that is is advertising cannabis outlawed or it just makes the carriers nervous to use these ads because they are under FCC control? Especially with television. So you see there with, you know, the Super Bowl ad that was pulled or not ever ran. I had a commercial five years ago as well that was ran or slotted to run that did not make it because of the, the network and the FCC. So, yeah, I think that they have some say over the, the laws and regs, but at the end of the day, it's interesting to see what's what's been popping up in California. And so, what? So you said you also a few years ago came up against this with a with a TV ad. Yep. So uh, we actually created the first ever cannabis commercial that was slotted to run on ABC News Channel Seven. Oh wow! Um, at 10 p.m. before Jimmy Kimmel Live, and it was paid for. It was slotted and last minute. The, the network got cold feet and decided to pull it. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and so that, <laughs> I'm like, that's very surprised. I mean, you would think they would either have just not taken it to begin with, or that's very surprising to me. And so have you guys tried since then to do other sort of television ads? Or was that kind of the, I don't know, was that final discouragement from it for now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we really haven't that much. And I, it all really also comes down to, to budget. I mean, if you're going to be running a, a mainstream television commercial, it's going to be millions and millions of dollars. So we haven't, we've, we've done more of the, the guerrilla grassroots approach for marketing. With all these limitations, what is, I guess, the go-to forms of marketing these days for cannabis companies who are trying to reach, you know, this wider demographic? Um, like you had mentioned bef- um, in our previous interview, not just the kind of standard young male, but um, seniors and soccer moms and all sorts of everybody. Um, you know, what, I guess, what are the go-to forms then now to reach this wider demographic? Sure. So it's definitely um, just integrating with more mainstream and being more involved with day-to-day mainstream events, activities. So an example of that would be, for instance, sponsoring an event or being present at a concert or having some type of a synergy with a mainstream outlet. Okay. So a lot of, I guess, brand partnerships type of thing? Yes. Brand partnerships. Like I said, this I was I was a little bit surprised just by how heated of responses this story got. Um, 
uh, mostly from people who felt like you did and a lot of other um, women in the industry I spoke to that were horrified by the ads. Um, and then obviously quite a few, all from men, um, about uh, supporting Bill Zarian, obviously. And, you know, you brought up this notion of sex sells, which is something that continues in every industry. I guess, do you think there is an extinction date for it in cannabis, at least? Um, or are we going to continue to see this stuff, you know, indefinitely? Yeah, I mean, um, we will not stand for it. So basically, there's going to have to be some changes made within the industry. And in terms of counterculture and just bringing, it's it's really just bringing the industry down as a whole. Um, so any other businesses that are trying to to survive within this space uh, are not going to stand up for that. Looking forward, do you see cannabis advertising as something that will expand? I mean, it sounds like right now you're working within such confinements between federal oversight and then state regulations. I mean, where do you see this going down the line? I, I hope that cannabis advertising will be more open in the future in terms of, or I hope that cannabis advertising will be more allowed and less restricted in the future. But I do hope that there are more stringent regulations around uh, the creative behind that advertising and making sure that there is actual information, education, awareness, and helping to, to better the plant and the messaging that goes out there. That was Olivia Mannix of Cannabrand, and that's it for this week's show. We have a new request for all you buds this week, and that's to please take part in this ongoing discussion by calling in and letting us know what you think about this type of sex sells advertising. Are people overreacting by getting up in arms about it? Is the advertising really just kind of outdated or lack creativity? Call 209 566 2253 and leave us a message letting us know. That's 209-566-2253. While you're at it, holler at a friend, even just one friend, and let them know about green and gold and how much you love it, or even if you hate it. Either way, spread the word. As a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and support us by hitting up the Table Cakes Patreon account at patreon.com backslash tablecakes. All right, until next week, buds.